This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. At the very beginning of Catherine's and my marriage, it was in the first or second year, we took a prayer retreat together. It would be the first of many that we would take over the years and still take together. And on that prayer retreat in the morning, we spent some time in the Bible. And we had an experience that if you're familiar with reading the Bible, and I'm assuming that some of you are very familiar, some of you may be very new to the Bible, so what I'm about to describe is something you can anticipate. We were reading the Bible together, and there was a scripture verse that had a particular energy, resonance. It, it gripped both of us at the same time, and we found ourselves wanting to spend time talking about that verse especially. It's the verse that Deacon Valerie just read to us from the teaching of Jesus. One that, again, if you're familiar with the Bible, you likely know this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, that which Jesus has just taught about prior to that, shall be added to you. And Catherine and I, in a conversation, in a time of prayer, quietly but very significantly, said, let's live that life. What would it be like here at the beginning of a season of our lives, the beginning of our marriage, to live as if this teaching from Jesus can be absolutely trusted? That if we seek first his kingdom and righteousness, everything that we need will be added to us. That led us and has led us into a life of, I, I really should count how many times we have seen specifically that reality come to bear in our lives. I would say conservatively at least four dozen different encounters with God and experiences with the Lord where that has come true. We have known that teaching from Jesus to be absolutely trustworthy. And yet, we still get tested. And yet, I still find myself saying, will he provide this time? This happened a year ago. We have an emergency fund, and we had funded the emergency fund, but the problem with emergency funds is sometimes you get not just one emergency, but many emergencies, right? So we actually got a multiple emergency summer. I think the first few emergencies had to do with, I don't know, a broken appliance, something with a car, something with the house. I don't even remember, right? It's just kind of a regular thing, right? So we had to invest the emergency fund in those needs. And we were going to build the emergency fund back up through our cash flow as we had planned. But before we got a chance to build the emergency fund back up, more emergencies happened. One thing that happened is through a kind of freak situation, we missed an international connecting flight stuck in Warsaw, Poland, which is a very nice place, but we don't live there and we don't speak Polish, and had to get home and had to buy a ticket right then and there. It was very expensive. A car was inconveniently moved into a very solid concrete pillar, and the pillar won. And we had to repair that. And all of a sudden, before we knew it, we were $3,100 in expenses that we didn't know how we were going to pay. It was just there. It just happened. We've been responsible. We've been careful. And even though for 27 years I have trusted God to provide, 
Catherine and I had a moment where we thought, I don't know if it'll work this time. I don't know how God will come through this time. But we, set, we got together, we prayed, Lord, you know these needs we have. We ask that you will provide. And often we see something happen pretty soon, not every time, and this time nothing happened. There was no movement. There was no wonderful email with $3,100 in it. There was no way of it coming through some other source. It just wasn't happening. And we waited, and we waited, and it became agonizing. And I truly went into a kind of spiritual crisis time where I said, Lord, I, I, I know you've done this in the past, and, and I believe the Bible as best as I can right now, but I don't see you coming through on this one. I, I am wondering if this is the one time where it's not going to happen, as it has happened for so many situations prior to this. And we were there, and we were waiting. Okay. Let's just leave us there, okay? Let's leave us waiting. Because a lot of you are right there right now. You're there. You're seeking God. You want to see his kingdom in ministry and coming in people's lives. But you're waiting. The provision hasn't come yet. Let's just, let's just leave me there. We'll get back to that. Because what I want to focus you on even more than the absolute promise of God's provision, which is an absolute rock-solid promise. We have to understand the conditions in this. We have to understand how Jesus teaches on this. But it's an absolute trustworthy reality of God's provision. I have got to introduce you more fully biblically to the reality of the provider himself. So we'll wait on the end story of our provision that we can start right now with the provider of who God is. Because the reality of our God, our provider, this three-week series that we're doing, is vested not even in what will happen as you follow him, because things will happen and provision will come. It's vested in him. Indeed, one of the very names of God is God, our provider, which also means God who sees. If we will seek first a culture of God's presence and power, that might be one way to just get a quick definition of the kingdom. Theologians will say the kingdom of God is God's reign. Absolutely, but it's still a little abstracted. The kingdom of God is the culture of God's power. It's the culture of God's presence. It's living in an entire world, an entire developed ecosystem by which everything will work with God's presence and God's power, and nothing will work if we're not seeking first God's presence and God's power. That's the culture of God's presence and power. So we will seek God's culture, his presence and power first, and we will seek for that in other people's lives, then we will have everything we need to seek God's presence and power. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, thank you. That encourages me. Here's what I really want you to know from the Bible today, from this teaching. God sees you. He sees you. He sees the details of your life. That is not some old-time evangelical piety statement. That's Bible work. That's Bible truth. He sees you. He sees the details of your life, and he cares deeply about them. And he will provide because he is God, our provider. Let's look at the sequence of Jesus' teaching. Okay, guys, we're working two places in the Bible. So if you don't have a Bible with you, no problem. we got a Bible in a rack right in front of you, okay? So just grab one of our church Bibles. If you have your Bible with you, get that Bible out. 
in our church Bibles is page 811. Okay, the book of Matthew. So that's primarily where, where we're going to be. But you can also, in your Bible, make a little, you know, put your finger in there, or grab some paper or whatever, to page 16. All right, so we primarily work, and Jesus is teaching 811, but we also have to look at what Jesus is teaching from. He's teaching from what's called the Torah. He's teaching from the revelation of God in the Hebrew Scriptures, particularly chapter in Genesis, page 16. The sequence here in, in, in 6 is this. In chapter 6, we see a sequence. God sees... We seek, God provides. That's the sequence that Jesus teaches. Look with me in, in chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Okay. The word anxious, the word anxiety is so powerful for so many of us who live in the swamp of anxiety so often that we can think, okay, this passage is about anxiety. It's not about anxiety. It's about allaying anxiety, but it's not about anxiety. Paul teaches more specifically on the reality of anxiety in the book of Philippians. There's actually a teaching about how anxiety can be allayed. This is really a book, and this is really a teaching here about God and the character of God. So do not be anxious about your life, what you would eat, what you would drink, about your body. But then we get to actually a very important word that we can easily miss, and that's the first word given to us in the translation, verse 26, look. But Jesus gives us an imperative. So now he's saying, I'm asking you to do something. Look. And he'll say, look at God at work. Look at God in creation. And he'll get into birds and lilies. Okay, if you know this passage, you're thinking this is the birds and lilies passage. And birds and lilies are actually important in this passage, but they're also at the heart of this passage. What's more important than birds and lilies is looking at birds and lilies. What's more important than looking at birds and lilies is looking at the God who is moving through and creating birds and lilies. Where you need to look primarily is at the God who's looking at you. Where you need to see is at the God who is seeing you. I have just seen an, a wonderful spiritual director for the last three years. Whoop, hold on, listen to me. I encourage spiritual direction if we can send you to a spiritual director. Okay? It could be an excellent thing in your life. But we want to make sure you're seeing a gospel spiritual director. And not every spiritual director is such. Okay. So, I've been seeing a wonderful gospel spiritual director for the last three years. And one thing he has taught me out of his particular tradition is to see God seeing me. I'd never thought of that. And I began to look for it in the Bible to make sure this was deeply biblical. And indeed it was. Indeed, God first loved me before I loved him. God first sees me before I see him. Indeed, he's saying here, see God who's already at work through creation, lilies and birds, who is actually seeing you. There is provision, he says. Look how I provide for the birds. It's a wonderful, wonderful poetic piece. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Verse 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But the picture provision isn't just birds and lilies, right? It's this thing Jesus has been teaching about the Father. He just taught when you pray, pray our Father. He just taught this in the Sermon on the Mountain. And now he teaches about your Father. He goes from our Father, our Father, a personal corporate reality for us as followers of Jesus, to your Father. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. Verse 26, he'll do this again. Verse 32, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father sees you. 
We don't know for sure that Jesus is specifically referring to the passage in Genesis, but you can turn there to page 16 in your, in your church Bibles. What we have here then is a kind of theological foundation from the first five books of the Bible called the Torah of this God who sees. One of the seminal teachings and, and, and accounts in the Bible is Genesis 22. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. It's a story where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. This needs a far more teaching I can give in the moment. Just go with me on this. But before Abraham sacrifices his son Isaac, God provides a ram. And go down now with me to verse 14. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Moriah. That's an echo, that's a play on a word. The God who provides would be Yahweh, Yaira, Moriah. There's, there's a combination that's happening here, which at this place is called the Lord will provide. But in the original language, in the Hebrew, the Lord will provide is also the Lord who sees. Tying together in the very linguistic structure itself about the character of God who provides because he sees. Which goes to the even deeper question that I was facing in that moment where we had this $3,100 need. I didn't know how it was going to come to be. And my question was, yes, will God provide? But here was the deeper question. Does he see? Does he see? Does he see that I'm waiting weeks and this is agonizing? Does he see that we've made a commitment not to live in debt and we've made a commitment to give freely and we've made a commitment to try and seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness? Does he see what's happening in our lives? Does he see the stress I'm waking up with every morning? Does he see I'm wondering how this is ever going to happen? That's a deeper question, isn't it? Oh, behind the beauty and the glory of the God who provides and the, the God who sees is the often anxiety reality for us. Is that so? Can we believe it? Will God see? Does he see me? Does he actually care about these things? Or again, was that some kind of meant to placate me, old-time evangelical teaching that somebody gave me so that I wouldn't ask hard questions? A few years ago, we were in Brazil, uh, thanks to a, a provision from Resurrection in our diocese on a family sabbatical. Where my wife grew up in Brazil. And I was on the beach. Uh, kids were doing stuff in the sand and the water, and I was just sitting there on the beach. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying. I was just sitting there enjoying creation, enjoying it deeply and loving the rest. And I can only describe a, a kind of concrete intuitive experience that I had as I sat there where I felt as if somebody came from behind me and in the same way that like I'll sit like this and have my kids sit up against me, my, my, my younger ones sit up against me with their, their back against my torso, I felt as if somebody come up behind me and they were sort of holding me in that place. And I sensed it was somehow the Lord ministering to me and I said, Lord, I, I, I sense you really close to me right now. And I, I felt like the Lord, intuitively, I felt like the Lord said, and it's kind of funny because I, I don't really love the American vernacular, but I, I thought I heard him say, I, I've got your back, which is very meaningful to me, which was really to say, I, I see you. I, said, I see you here. You need me to have your back, and I see that. I've got your back. 
I've gone back to that. I've learned to go back to that moment with the Lord. I haven't had it again. I don't have to have it again. I've, I've got the Word of God. I've, I've got the people of God. I, I could keep walking, but I've gone back to that, and I've just reflected on it. Do you have times like that? Maybe it wasn't that kind of experience. It was more God provided this, or you'd hoped and prayed for this for so many years, and then you saw it happen. You mean the way you didn't expect. You, you have a, a seeing time where you actually knew that God saw you. Don't just relegate that to your sort of past biography. Journal it. Hold it. Carry it. You need to be reminded in your own personal life the truth of the objective scriptures. Your father sees you. I just, I have to mention this because it's so important, particularly a place like resurrection where we love beauty. The Lord sees you. He also sees your need for beauty. Do you see how the lilies are actually beautified? And this, this is greater, he says, than Solomon in all of his splendor, this kingly figure who's arrayed in beauty as well in Solomon. The Lord does provide he does provide beauty, not a beauty of our own making necessarily, and it's not that we have to give our, all of our funds to beauty. Were I not a believer, I would be tempted to do that, honestly. That's one of the things I love the most. I love beauty. But he does give it to us as part of what we need as persons. Don't just think, you know, food, clothing. There's beauty in this. Luther said this, the birds and flowers preach to us just so we'll believe believe that God sees. We seek. God sees. Out of the seeing, and us seeing God seeing us, we then seek. Verse 33, another imperative. Look and now seek. Seek the kingdom. Seek the culture of God's power and presence. Seek to live within a life and seek to live for other people's lives in such a way that the power and the presence of God is the only thing that makes sense of your life. Ask this question as you try to seek God's kingdom first. Ask these two questions. Number one, what can I do in my life that I can only do with his power? What can I do in my life that I can only do by and with his power? That may be specifically helping you seek his kingdom. And two, are those things that I can only do by and with his power, are those things first? Are those first in my schedule? Are those first in my financial commitments? Are those first in my heart? It could be that for you, the only thing you can do by God's power, and any of us for this matter, is to actually let others know about the power of God, to share with others the truth of Jesus. I am very extroverted, and yet I have a very hard time sharing my faith. Here's why. I'm also very intuitive, and I'm very aware of a social situation everywhere I go. I walk in any room, I go, oh, I know exactly what's happening in this room. I'm in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I can sense it. Awkwardness, I know it. That was wonderful. They're loving it. I get it. So it's very hard for me to share in a situation where I know I'm going to create awkwardness. I hate creating awkwardness, right? So I need the power of God to actually step out of that and to share when someone may not be blessed, at least in the moment, by my sharing. Perhaps for you, you need the power of God to overcome destructive, sinful nature habits that are taking you over, and you need the power of God to have the power to overcome those sinful nature, and that's a provision that you need. Some of you are rebuilding a marriage. There was a trust break. 
There was an abandonment of some kind, or there's just the years and years of one cut after another, and now the wound is significant. You're rebuilding a marriage, and you could only do so by stepping into the culture of God's power and presence. That's seeking God's kingdom first. It may be financial. It may be you're in a situation right now where you're saying, God's saying, give more to my kingdom. Invest more. Do this with this money. Or do this with this job. Or do this with this vocation. And you're realizing this here is a financial. It doesn't have to be financial, but it certainly could be. You're trusting God right now for his power to meet you in closeness amidst a very lonely season in your life. You're looking for God's closeness. Trusting Jesus' closeness that he sees you. And you can see him seeing you amidst great loneliness. That's seeking God's kingdom first. And then it says, and seek his righteousness. Righteousness. An important word, hard to understand. Right living, right godly living. In this case, I would say righteousness is connected to being a provider of God's presence and his power for others. So sown into this is, yes, Lord, I want to seek your kingdom first. But yes, Lord, I want to be one who seeks others first as well. And that I can be the provision for them of your presence, your power, your provision itself. Certainly Jesus taught this knowing that, I mean, he walked around stunning poverty in the ancient Near East. Staggering poverty. I mean, to be a widow in the ancient Near East was to be basically relegated to a life of misery that would almost always end in death. He knew poverty. When he taught us, he wasn't ignoring that reality. He was saying, yes, indeed, as we seek first the kingdom and we ourselves are then caught up in that, we want to provide for others financially, materially, God's presence, God's power. Kef and I have a very specific way of doing this, and it's really been exciting for us. It's, you know, we give 10% to resurrection, and then we, we give more percentage points to the work of the nations, the work of missions. But then after that, we have a Holy Spirit fund. And just every month, we, we, we put some money in the Holy Spirit fund. So that we can just do that little Holy Spirit fund, whenever God says, give here, provide there, be an agent of my presence and power, we can do so. We can be a part of his righteousness in that little teeny tiny way that's so exciting for us to engage in. And that's just another way that we can seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. What a joy it is. So God sees, we seek, he provides Let's work on this last phrase together some. And all these things will be added to you. I think there's kind of two key components in that final phrase. All these things, okay, and then added to you. It's a really important question. Maybe you're already asking it. What are all these things? <laughs> I mean, like, okay, so this is all true. So what am I hoping God's going to provide? In Matthew 6, it's clothing and it's food, okay? You, I mentioned beauty, okay? So is that pretty much what I've got? I've got, I'll have some clothes, I'll have some food, and in God's world, they'll be beautiful. I think yes, but I think we have to shift back to Abraham and Genesis 22. Because they would get even a fuller picture of the understanding of what God is bringing, what God is giving, all these things. What we see Abraham provided is not clothing, it's not food, it's, it's actually not, in that case, beauty. He's actually provided a way to follow God. He's provided a way to remain true to God. He's provided a way to give his life for God by the giving of the ram. 
which of course points us to the giving of Jesus by the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. That all these things have to do with you giving, getting everything you need from the Father so that you can live your life for the Father. Oh yes, clothing. Oh yes, food. Oh yes, financial provision. Oh yes, relationships. Oh yes, purpose in your vocation in life. Oh yes, the coming close of the presence of God. Oh yes, the power and the glories and the strengthening of the Word of God. Oh yes, the church of Jesus Christ. So many things. So many things that he wants to pour out on you so that you can then pour out for the kingdom. And we find ourselves that when we understand what these things are, is a beautiful sacred cycle. It's a sacred cycle where we seek God. As we seek God and we seek his kingdom and others' ministry first, so he provides for us, we see that provision. He did it. He sees me. And we're strengthened by that seeing. And we step back into more seeking. And then he sees us and he provides again. And you get into this incredible cycle. But if you're not in this cycle, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It may just be that you need to repent this morning of not seeking God's kingdom first. So it's not really happening because you're actually not entering into the fullness of the kingdom. You valued other things first. Don't be ashamed of it, but be real about it. Get serious about it and repent. Get into the sacred cycle. Now, I won't promise you the sacred cycle is always easy. Let's look at the final thing here. It says, added unto you. There's a kind of addition here. There's actually a kind of kingdom math going on here. Here's the kingdom math. God sees plus we seek equals God's provision. Nice and clean and clear, right? Unless you're stuck on the left side of the equation. Like you're not seeing the equals God's provision. You're here. You're like, aha, I, I can't get out of here. Like th these teachings that for the Bible and Stuart, they make me crazy. I don't know what world he's living in. Because I'm here, I'm stuck here on the left side of the equation. How do you get over here to the right side, the provision of God? I mean, this is the heart of the gospel. Will God give us what we truly need in our sin nature, in our anxieties, in our depressions? Will God truly come through for us? This is the heart of the good news of God in Christ. How does God meet us on the left side to get us to the right side? How does it happen? It happens to the ram who is provided in Jesus and even more pragmatically, here's how it can happen. Here's what you can do if you're on the left side, you're getting to the right side. First of all, left side. You've got to saturate yourself in the stories of God and his provision. Saturate your mind. Saturate your heart in the stories of God and his provision. Go back to Genesis 22. Go to Genesis 16 and the story of Hagar and how she meets God. And she also names God the one who sees. Go through the Psalms. It's over and over again in the Psalms. You will read the Psalms speaking of the provision of God. Go to Matthew 6. And then go to great stories of our faith. How Catherine and I love missionary stories because they're provision stories of those who have gone out to serve the Lord and seek his kingdom in different ways. And again and again they get provision. I have to saturate my mind and my thinking. We have sought to saturate our children's thinking in these stories of provision because even with the saturation, it's so hard to believe in the moment when you're in the tension and you're on the left side that you're ever going to get to the other side. So saturate. Second, gather. Gather kingdom first people around you who will in that moment when you're on the tension to the left side and you're waiting for the provision, they will be there with you. They will pray and text you. They will stand with you. They will say, we know it's not happening yet, but we trust God will bring it. We don't know what it will look like. We don't know how he will do it, but we believe in the Bible. 
We believe the testimony of those who have gone before. We're with you in it. You cannot do this alone. It will break you. Don't do this alone. I'm not teaching that. So you're there. You saturate. You gather. And then you wait. And then you wait. Knowing that God's already providing on the left side, he's already providing. He's going to minister to you. He's going to meet you there. He's going to make something fuller in you and richer in you. He's going to develop a muscle to wait on him. I don't know exactly what, is going to, what he will do. But he's on both sides of the equation. He is the equation. He formulated this. It's okay. You're not out of control on the left side of the equation while you wait. So, remember where I was waiting? So we're waiting, we're praying, and it kind of comes to me and says, I just got this text from a friend, and the text says, hey, there's this thing called Illinois unclaimed property. And I went on the website, and our family has some unclaimed property, and I actually can look for people's names, so I typed in your name. And you have unclaimed property. The Catholic kid me and said, isn't this amazing? We have unclaimed property with Illinois. And I said, Catherine, delete that text. It's some kind of massive virus. Do you really think the state of Illinois is giving money away? I'm like, this is an absolute, like, diabolical hoax. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, looking at your laptop, thinking it's smoking. There's so much demonic power here. I mean, I was like, honey, no, Illinois doesn't give us money. And I literally, like, ran from that moment. And for two weeks, I ignored this Illinois unclaimed property opportunity. I just, like, it's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Until I got so desperate. And we prayed. And I said, okay, you know, maybe there's 200 bucks in there. I, what is unclaimed property? I, I'm a pastor. I don't even understand that. So I got on the website, da 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 you know. Open up the web page to see what you've got. $3,100. Who cares about the money, right? I mean, ultimately. God saw us. He wanted to know us to know that he saw us. He wanted to, us to see him seeing us. Father Matt next week will teach on what happens when it looks like God is not providing. We want to pastor you through this question. And then I'll teach again after that on what, when God, what if God provides and it isn't what we'd wanted. So we're going to keep working on this together. This is very foundational in understanding the gospel, understanding the character of God. That we can be assured that on the mountain of God, it will be provided. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.